Thank you for kicking off your your morning, your afternoon, your evening. I don't know when you're listening to this. Your mid-afternoon snack. Thank you for having a mid-afternoon snack and pairing it with some audio chocolate like the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. By the way, if you do have a mid-afternoon snack and you call it that, I really like you. You, I you think, are, well, you're British, probably. You've never grown yeah. up. No, that's just tea. Okay. Yeah. I think. <laughs> but clearly they eat snacks with their tea. Speaking of which, you had a very interesting conversation over dinner. Yes, a dinner time snack. Um, in fact, it was my my child. He said, Mom, do you mind? Can we just have the TV trays out tonight? Let's watch something funny together. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about my day today at school. I don't want to go there. And he admitted later, well, rather the teacher shared an email with us later that revealed maybe this is why he didn't want to talk about stuff with us because there's not some stuff going on in the classroom grade-wise that's not his favorite sure. at the moment. And so it got me thinking, though, about just in general, the distractions that we allow in our lives because we just don't want to face whatever's going on. And I am the first to admit it, especially when I was a child, I dealt with so much fear, so much fear. And as I've shared before, quite openly, I do have a chemical imbalance that only encourages that fear and promotes it. And so as a child, anything to distract me from being afraid whatever I could think of, anything. What, let's watch movies. Let's let's go do something. Let's just, I, I don't want to think about it. And I, I think that's just a natural thing we all do. If I could get my mind off of the thing, I'm going to rather than sit with it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is it. I, we have humor and um, things uh, at our disposal, I think for a reason. It's if you're going through grief, yeah, you don't need to think about it constantly. It's great to get your mind off of certain things. But we live in a culture that's so prevalent with distraction. There's so many podcasts you yeah. can listen to. There's so many shows you can watch. I mean, literally, I think we were having a conversation recently. Nobody knows what shows or movies have come out lately <laughs> because there's so many options. Yeah, and, too many. I mean, so many with all the streaming services. And so we have so much content at our disposal. We don't have to think about we don't have to be still and alone with our thoughts. I am nervous that at one point I'm going to be towards the end of my life, which honestly could be any day, could be any moment, right? We don't know when sure. our ticket is going to be given, but that I, I'm like, wow, I never quote got around to it. Mm. The things that I wanted to do or actually going deeper with said subject that is is causing me anxiety or whatever it might be, frustration. And I don't, I don't want to live that way. I want to, yes, have a balance because there are days you will need to pull out the TV, TV trays and laugh. Yeah, yeah. I heard this one story about a gentleman who he got cancer. This was years and years ago. I don't even know if this was a real story or not, but the old story goes, he, he did get contract cancer and he decided, they said, do you want to go through all the different therapies that were available at the time? And he said, you know what? I just want to go home. And he did. And he proceeded to watch every ridiculous Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy, all the, the old black and white funny stuff that he could get his hands on. And he watched and laughed and laughed and laughed. And when he went to the doctor, that boat had turned around. His hmm. cancer started getting smaller and smaller because, it, because his attitude had changed. It's fascinating. Mind over matter, if you will. But um, it's important 
at times to have the laughter moments, to have a distraction because you don't want always negative headlines are always ugly. But if there is something in my life that I need to be addressing and I'm trying to just use distractions to not get to the root of the matter. Yeah, we're, we're afraid to be alone in silence with our thoughts and before God. And it's it's so important because like you said, you said never get around to it. And it's like, man, never getting around to taking that trip is one thing, but living in what could be freedom, but instead I choose oppression mm. of a spiritual issue that's holding me back in life. That's something I should get around to, but there's a bit of fear. I mean, at least for me, I think it's a lot of, you know, I, I don't want to admit that I'm wrong before God, even though he already knows it. There's that like weird thing <laughs> uh, because you just, it's shameful. You don't want to sit there and acknowledge, okay, this is what I've done again and again and again. Mm. And our, our pastor was going over this um, actually in Philippians, it says, don't worry about anything. It said, pray about everything. Mm -hmm. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Mm -hmm. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so there's a couple things in there. Pray about everything. Mm -hmm. That gives me the confidence that even the little things that I, I quote deem not good enough to bring to God, I can, I have the freedom to pray about anything and everything and thank him for all that he's done because there needs to be a level of, of gratitude. Otherwise I forget in those moments what God has already done. So if I pray for God to heal something in my life and I'm not following it up or starting with God, thank you for this time that you did this and thank you were faithful here and thank you and thank you and thank you. If my prayer is only requests and then I don't see it happen, then I'm tempted to say, well, God must not love me or God must not be there. Mm -hmm. And so to make sure to focus on, that's what it says in the second part of verse six, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Mm -hmm. It's a very important part of that because we, we can look back if we take enough time and look back with what God has done for us. Yeah. Uh, and then, then you experience God's peace, with which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And, and getting into the language of Greek there, our pastor shared what that means, guard our hearts and minds. He guards our des desires and our decisions. So he is helping us with our temptations. Our, our desires, molding what I want to make it right and me understand the right thing and desire the right thing. But going back to what we were saying earlier, he wants to help us with those. But if we keep brushing it under the rug and never confronting it in our yeah, own lives, exactly. how can he be allowed to help us with that stuff? Because we're not, we're distracted, too busy distracting ourselves. So when that temptation comes along, if we haven't done the work. Yeah how in the world are we going to um, allow for that help? And so this is this is what our pastor shared was, it comes down to confession and repentance in those silent moments. And what is that? Confess, there's, and especially with repentance, there's a lot of good definitions. Sure. But can, he broke it down this way. Confession is telling God the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, like we said, he already knows it, but the act of saying, I'm going to humble myself and tell you the truth. And repentance is letting God tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. So I, I change my ways because I listen to what God calls me to. Yeah, yeah. I confess what I've done and then I listen through scripture or, or through, sometimes it just hits you to conviction. I really need to stop this in my life. Yeah, it, think about 
in your childhood when you got caught? By the way, God always knows what you're doing, so you're always caught. <laughs> right, yeah. But think about when you got caught by your mom and dad and they asked you, did you do the thing? And ultimately, hopefully you confessed right up front. Yes, I did the thing. I do the thing. But are you repentant? Then you actually take the knowledge of, I did this thing, it was wrong, and now I'm going to turn, I'm going to make some choices now. I'm going to not do that thing again. Yeah. I think that's where repentance comes in because now we've allowed mom and dad to speak into, do you realize when you did that thing, you, and then they can kind of, you put yourself at risk or you did this or you shouldn't have done that. It's disobeying, blah, blah, blah. And then you not just take their rebuke, which might be the inappropriate word because rebuke sounds so harsh, but you know, basically our parents, hopefully if they had good intentions, they were trying to mold you into a respectable integritous human being yeah, and she would grow up and be that person that others could look to as an example. That is, I think every parent's desire for their child to even do life more successfully than they did. So please hear my instruction. And then the child responds, here's the instruction and it doesn't fall on deaf ears. They like take it and are motivated to now I'm going to change my ways. I think that's where God wants us to be in repentance. I got an interesting per, um uh, insight from being a younger cousin, being a friend of even sometimes uh, older kids and not that the age necessarily mattered, but uh, I had people in my life that were hitting milestones and plateaus before I did okay. driving before I did. Oh, okay. You know, things like that. I thought you meant like getting past five foot. Now, why'd you have to go there? <laughs> okay. I, yes. Yes. I'm four one. Okay. Is <laughs> It's a you, big deal with my kids. They're all about like when they go to get their, when they're at the pediatricians and they're the size chart, man, yeah. Carter, they stand so close to that wall. So they could get as tall as they possibly can. It's all about the height. It's such a big deal. And it's such a big deal even later in life for some people, mm -hmm. you know, some women won't date guys that are under six, three or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like, I, you know, and then but there's nothing you can do about it. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> you got me on a height tangent. Sorry. Um, but I, I had an interesting Cousin. viewpoint okay. from from multiple people that it would be a little bit of that sometimes. It would be getting caught or no, you're not supposed to do this. I remember one was I was in town and we were going to go to the arcade. What was his name? <laughs> <laughs> we'll call him Frank. Frank is great. Okay. And Frank said to mom, we're going to go to the arcade. And we get in the car and he goes, you know, we're not going to the arcade, right? <gasps> and he was intending to go. This is, this is admirable. And also like you'd get made fun of probably by a lot of people, but I, I'm glad I did this. I said, I actually do want to go to the arcade <laughs> because he wanted to go to a party. <laughs> And I did not want to get my side on it because I don't, I don't know what kind of party this was going to be right. at all. And, but he clearly was already lying to his mom. And so I said, I really actually want to go to the arcade. And so we went to the arcade and it was like, okay, L7 square, no, you know. No, it's fine. But I, I. Uh, you get your Pac-Man uh, on. I, and it was fun, but it, but I didn't, I just really didn't want, I had a bad feeling about it. Mm -hmm. And it's that type of thing where. If if he was to get caught, it would be that. It would be, oh, sorry, I won't do it again. 
yeah. and, and then get in the car. Okay. Now I got a foolproof plan on how we can, you know, there's and, no conviction there. There's th- confession. Yeah. Yeah. No conviction. In a sense. And there's conviction no leading to well, repentance. Well, there's no unprovoked confession. Is there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, only when you're caught. And so, um, it's, it, I don't mean to just point fingers because that's what I think a lot of us do spiritually. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, it is okay. Let me, yeah, I was wrong, you know, and then I know in the near future, I'm not really going to take it to heart. I'm not going to listen to God. I'm going to still do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just confess then too. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I love the lyrics. It's hard, but I love the lyrics of that. Uh, we, the kingdom song, Holy water, uh, Lord, I don't want to abuse your grace, but then basically what they're saying is, but the ironic thing is I need it every day. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird concept, Grace, because we continually need it, but I don't want to get to that place where I abuse it, but I'm still going to need it anyway on a daily basis. And it really comes down to what my intention is. I shared something with my husband yesterday. It's very personal. And I'm going to go ahead and share it here because he understood. I said, when Carter and I get into spats at work... I think we resolve them faster than you and I. Huh. And he was like, he's listening to me. Okay. And I said, honestly, well, number one, obviously we're friends. We want to resolve conflict, but we also have a job to do. I mean, we do a radio show together. And so if we're going to do our job well, we can't let this yick sit there between us. We got to work this stuff out. We're sharing about the grace of Jesus and people can spot authenticity a mile off, right? And things that are fake just as easily. And so we really do try to work hard to resolve those issues so that we can, you know, we're on a timeline here. Mm -hmm. We only have so many hours that we work together. Let's figure this out. Whereas when you are at home, with a loved one, it, it it has nothing to do with loving one more than the other. It has to do with, uh, there's a casualness there. There's a, well, you know, clearly I made him upset or I made her upset. Let me let them cool off for a moment there. And, and I guess there is balance in figuring out, should you resolve immediately or is their personality one that just needs to, I need to disengage from you for a minute. Yeah, yeah. But I thought I thought that was really interesting. I I think the word priority is what popped up in my my confession to him. I want him to feel prioritized. As much as I feel that is a priority in my job to be right with my brother in Christ and certainly right with Jesus, because I've brought that issue to light with the one that I've offended, right? That's what Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five and six. Great stuff. Uh, props for the best sermon ever, Jesus. You, but, you, yeah, this is what I love about Rochelle. She plugs certain Bible stories like it's a podcast that she wants you to know about. Oh, you got to check it out. It's, it's really cool. Super great. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, it's one of those sermons that just keeps going and going and That's going. True. Keep yeah. reading. It's like, oh, he could have stopped there, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And he kept going with another good thing. But anyway, when he says that you have something against your brother, when you, when you come to praise and honor and worship me and you're going to have a wonderful party time with me and you realize, I need to fix some things here first before I come to the party. That's what Jesus was saying. Fix it with them first and then come to me. Sure. Yeah. And so am I doing that priority-wise with the ones that I live life closest with? Do we all do that to some degree? Now, I'm, I work in a Christian 
environment with you. And so you and I both are like-minded in that we will prioritize when, when we have issues with one another, not only because we love one another as brother and sister in Christ, but because uh, this is ministry. We need to be as one mind in, you know, in how we share Jesus, right? Sure. And at the same time, when let's look at any job outside of ministry, you're going to make sure that you are, you know, jumping hurdles sometimes with the boss or with quote unquote subordinates or with that guy over there that you need to have him construct that bridge because we are well past our time frame when we're supposed to have it built or whatever it is. We will we'll move mountains to make those things work. But when we go home, is is our our, our loved ones, are they getting the priority that they deserve, that God wants us to give them. And certainly that can be applied to my time with God. You know, we talked about just sitting in stillness with him, not just in confession, but if I truly love God too. I mean, like, yeah. what kind of quality am I giving him? Am I giving him his Valentine due? You know, it, I think there's a principle here because it was, it was more about um, uh, something else, but my dad shares a story about, uh, he worked in a grocery store in Southwestern Oklahoma in the eighties. And, uh, it was, uh, the manager that would, would get the assistant managers together, which at the time was, was my dad and, and a couple other guys. And he would, he would tell them constantly, fellas, you're going to be working a lot with these, some of these women, very pretty dolled up. And your mind's going to start to play tricks on you mm. that she is somehow better or gives you more attention mm. than when you get home and your wife that doesn't have any makeup on because she's been corralling the kids around and yeah. dinner's not even made. And she said, why are you late? You know, she, why, why are you late getting home? And, and then you get back to work the next day and here's this bubbly girl again. Yeah. And then you get home that night and maybe not so bubbly sometimes. Yeah. And he said, but remember the perspective that you're seeing. Yeah. Because if if this bubbly girl at work was in the, in the other situation, be the exact opposite. Different day part. The different day part, right? You know, yeah. and so there's a principle there in priority. Obviously he was talking about, you know, affairs, I mean, quite yeah. quite bluntly, yeah. but it was a, a good lesson in priority mm -hmm. as well. And that you get really, this goes for really anybody that works, you know, eight hours a day, uh, you're getting people's bests mm -hmm. there. And, and the most important people in our lives are getting our leftovers. And so it's easy to be offended when the other people in your life you may feel are not prioritizing you or you got into an argument and for some reason they're not bouncing back as quickly as that coworker at, when you were in the coffee break room. They're always so jovial. They're always so nice. And they always tell me these wonderful things that they're doing for their loved ones. Why can't my so-and-so be more like that. Yeah. Oh my word. Don't, don't give into that. Cause that's taking bait that the enemy wants you to take bait. Sure. And so the other night, actually, Sammy and I, we got into something. It was so not, it was not even worth mentioning. I don't even know what it was. See, that's, what's really funny is the most of these things are just stupid arguments. You, you left the seat down again, didn't you? <laughs> and I, I texted him right away. Cause I was like, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to get this off of my, I'm going to, oh, okay. oh I'm going to brush yeah. it under the rug. Maybe. Oh, and on the way there, I thought this is ridiculous. I'm going to let him answer in his time because he and I are different creatures. I like to resolve things right away. 
And he's one who's like, I love you. I need a little bit of space before that. And I've had to come to to recognize that over the years, that has nothing to do with his love for me. I can't gauge his love for me based on, that doesn't look like my the way I handle things with you. No, it's, it's just different, mm-hmm. different personality, right? Yeah. So having grace for that, because we are different people, but also letting him respond in his own time. And I just put bullet points. And the number one thing I wanted to prioritize is, I love you and you are my favorite on this planet. Mm. Yeah. Number two, I'm sorry or whatever I said after that. Like I I misunderstood you or I thought you meant this or whatever. And so I bullet pointed it and then he did the most beautiful thing back. And just liked it. Yeah. <laughs> or gave us a thumbs up emoji. It's one yeah. of those things where yeah. if he had done that, oh. and I'm so grateful oh. he did not. Oh boy. Yeah. But if he had done that, I would have to assess... Where is he at with this? Does he need more time? You know, and I also want to give grace for that. What we generally want is we want people to respond in the way that we responded. Yeah. Well, I said, I'm sorry. So he should say, I'm sorry. Well, if I'm truly apologetic with something, then I should not be expecting something in return. It's I'm apologizing because I owe you an apology. And I, yes, I, I am a human being, so in the back of my mind, I probably have lingering. I do hope he apologizes, but that is not going to be what consumes me right now. I am going to apologize because it's the right thing to do because Jesus called me to do that. And whether he ever apologizes or not, 1 Corinthians 13 reminds me, I am not to keep a record of wrongs here. Uh, because if he did, if my husband kept a record of wrongs with me, oh my word. Oh my, yeah. oh my word. There's this part in the book of John where John openly admits if <laughs> not all the books on the in the world can yeah. contain the things that Jesus did. I feel like that <laughs> not all the books in the world yeah. could contain the record of wrongs Here, that I have done. Here's here's a Sammy going to the warehouse at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> Just filled with files. Yeah. No, I think it's an interesting because a little you and I talked a little bit about stuff too about our spat, and um, our I, spat. I, 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 I hey, that's how you phrased it. I did. It was a weird word to use. A spat. A, a little spat. We 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 hit each other. <laughs> we went fisticuffs. <laughs> there are boxing gloves here at the station. They say just duke it out. <sighs> um, no, because and this is the same issue with uh, you know my wife or whatever at times. I think it's a really tough balance of, like you said, don't keep a record of wrongs. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Yes, yes. And well, compared to stuffing it. Oh, yeah. And and then letting the frustration build up. Yeah. As, as maybe it's a, a pattern, but you tell yourself, and, and again, this is just, it, at times in my life, People may drive me nuts and they're not even actually doing anything wrong necessarily, mm. but it's still, it's still your perception is still letting you and, sure. you, and you have the freedom to be able to say, this is how I feel when you do this. Yeah. It, it triggered something in me, but yeah. it's, it's so, it's hard. Cause I just want to, you know, and Kel- Kelsey brought this up a few months ago. I, I, what did I do? I said, he is searching for the words right now. I want to be, I'm on thin ice right now. <laughs> um, but I said something of, I was going to try to let it go, but then you said this mm-hmm. and she said, you're, you, you said that you were going to let it go and now you're bringing it up. Mm. You need to bring it up in that moment. Mm-hmm. 
And it, it really is a stupid concept to mm-hmm. say, I will just move on from this. And then three days later, you're still stewing on it. Now that's, it's hard to know if, you know, sometimes you, you think I can get over this and then you can't. Right. Yeah. But it is, it is indicative that maybe more times than not, I should bring it up in the moment. I just sometimes think it leads to problems mm. that, that makes it harder than sometimes it gets convoluted. And sometimes, you know, that it's just your perception. So yeah. it still bugs you and there's nothing really to approach anybody about. So how do you really like, it, mm-hmm. it's just, and I'm, I'm bringing this up going, I don't have an answer here in five seconds. I'm just kind of bringing this up. So in a perfect world, there's a conversation about it where everything is civil and you can bring it up within this this beautiful, peaceful context where nobody's angry in the moment, right? And you're able to go, hey, you know, I love you. Um, I know I mess up all the time and I, I really want to come to come at come at this from a humble angle of I know I'm not perfect. So I've just noticed a pattern here and it, it, as your husband, is concerning, and then you share said pattern. And I, I think we brought this example of conversing before my, my, my dad, before my husband and I got married, we went through marriage counseling, and he offered me this tool called the floor. And mm. every time you have a disagreement, it's a, oh, you breathe, first of all, breathe deep <laughs> so you can get calm. Because we've talked about this before, if you are if you are at perfect peace, then you're not going to be anxious over anything, right? So breathe and then bring up the thing that is, hey, when this happened, this is how I felt. You use those types, that, that verbiage of this is the way I felt instead of you did this to me and you make me feel. And totally, I'm like, totally. Uh, you, you should use the word I, not yeah. start the word, not start the sentence with the word you. This is what I, something that I have noticed. And perhaps this is something that's, I mean, you may think this is silly. I got to tell you from my perspective, this is how it made me feel. And you go on to share. And all that the other person in that conversation does is listen, which is so difficult. But listening to the point where when you are done, you ask, are the other person asks, are you, are you done sharing? Yes, I'm done. Are you done? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But then they repeat back to you. This is what I believe I heard you saying. Yeah, that's good. And if they, if they repeat back to you, what, yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to tell you. Great. Now it's their chance to have the floor. Okay. I, I heard what you shared. Now this is the way I feel already. You have taken it down from a 10 of red hot anger. Sure. You're already down here understanding once again, oh, this is somebody that I love, that loves me. We are teammates. They they want the best for me. This is not malicious. But two human beings trying to figure things out, sometimes we take it, they're the worst. They hate me. I'm going to get a divorce. Like all these weird, sad things that yeah. can sometimes, the enemy loves it, by the way, when we go there. And oh, yeah. <laughs> And and I think the thing about it is it's hard because you don't, I, I even don't want to keep a record of wrongs, but sometimes the question arises, well, when have I ever done that with, with anybody for that? Sure. I'm not just talking about Kelsey with anybody. Can you give me an example? Can you give me an example? And yeah. I'm like, um, well, I tried to block it out, <laughs> you know, or I tried to, I could have wrote it down in the moment because I know how I felt, yeah. you know, four months ago or four weeks ago or whatever. Uh, but I don't remember the specifics. You know, and then it's like, oh man, 
this is this is a very confusing area I that I find myself I'd in. I'd love to unpack that with the Apostle Paul mm-hmm. when he said specifically that, because I think we can get lost in semantics. Uh, and if we only see it looking one way, there's a list somewhere and someone is keeping score, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it's more of the spirit of the thing. If you recognize that your child is exhibiting habits that you know are not good for them and taking notice of that and just kind of keeping tabs on that, you're not looking at it from a perspective of I'm better than them and they're so pathetic. It's so sad. You know, it's like, sure, I want sure. what's best for them and I'm st- I'm going to keep my eye on it. I, I'm going to overlook an offense because maybe it was just a one-time thing. Right. Right. But you start to see a pattern creep up. This is not maliciousness. This is me. I truly care about this person and I'm seeing it happen in our relationship. And it's it's producing not good fruit, right? This is not a good thing. I I, I feel this way when this happens and I've noticed it. And look, I'm not trying to attack you. Maybe I need to work on me. It's triggering me. So maybe I need to work on me. And then just having that kind of conversation. I I really hope that what I do, if my husband came to me in that way, would be to calm myself down. Because obviously somebody says something that's not necessarily positive that they've noticed in you. What's your first response? Generally, I get defensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. Reminding myself, number one, what did I text him the other night? Number one, I love you and you're my favorite person. And I know he feels that way about me. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody who, this is a safe place. This is not somebody who wants, you know, your something to land on your head. And and that, uh, like a piano from a two story building. It's very specific. That got very specific. <laughs> you know, in, Roger Rabbit, in, the in the Netherlands, <laughs> in the Netherlands, they have hooks at the oh, top of the buildings interesting. so that they can, because they had all had pianos back in the day really? and they can wheel them up to the, on, a, on like a, a, not a gurney. What do you call that? With the, you do the it's rope a pulley. on a pulley. Yeah. There's a pulley system yes. on Dutch apartments and homes so they can get the piano to the top apartment. That is the biggest tangent. There's your fact of the day. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to, uh, you know, you, you reminded me when you said, hey, this is your person and they want the best for you. Yeah. It, there's two things that are important when it comes to maybe maybe more of um, what I've done regularly or here lately uh, on the stuffing is one, I don't always have the accurate information. Mm-hmm. I've chosen negative intentions Mm -hmm. because this could be the only explanation. That's so good. And then one little piece of information. This happened twice. I can name two specific instances, uh, one with my wife and one with my in-laws where I'm like, well, that must be this. And, and then, and then there's one little piece of information. I go, Oh, it oh, wasn't this. That's why they did that. Yeah. Oh, I that see. It changes everything. It changes everything. And so you don't, that's why you don't assume negative intentions. But two, in regards to the stuffing, it's, uh, and you it, keep stuffing, stuffing is and delicious. About, it is delicious. Yeah. I'm thinking about Thanksgiving. That's right. But it is, it does, you know, because from my perspective, sometimes it creates a bigger issue mm. when it comes to, ongoing things, little things, you know, there's a degree of, you know, if, if Kelsey attacked me with a chainsaw, well, I, I would probably confront her about it. Um, at some point, uh, I don't I, think I would, you need a record or a pattern to yeah, watch there. This. I think I would just go ahead and confront her. Right. <laughs> there's certain things you just obviously confront, but there are times where I'm like, I don't think it's to that level that I need to confront it. But what it does is create a disservice mm-hmm. for myself in the moment. 
but to her in the long run, because mm-hmm. she doesn't even know that I'm yeah. feeling. You ever have those? I mean, you've heard, we've all heard the stories. I didn't even know that you were unhappy lately. Yeah. I didn't even know that you, you were. You didn't say anything. You didn't say anything about this. And so it's a, a really a disservice to both of you, especially yeah. marriage, but really in general in that situation. I think you think it, you're just going to get over it. And so, and you should when you can't. I mean, that's why I've heard that interpreted. Uh, the the uh, It's one to one's glory to overlook an offense. Right. Somebody flips you off in traffic, you don't chase them down. And by the time you get to work, you probably won't even remember remember it. That's me all the time. Somebody cuts me off. Somebody speeds past me. Somebody whatever. I overlook an offense because I know I'm not even going to remember it later that day. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be true about people we know too. I know we talked about that in regards to strangers. That's Mm -hmm. certainly true. Mm -hmm. People we know it's tougher, but I think it's possible because, oh, Kelsey's hangry or I'm hangry, vice versa. One of us snapped at the other one. I know, I know for a fact that they were hangry and, you know, we're, it's, I'm not even going to think about it later. But then there are things that if you can't overlook, you should bring to the table. The person that you, you called Kelsey your person. Mm -hmm. She's my person. You chose her. And I think that word choice needs to keep popping up in our relationships every day. I choose Kelsey. Yeah. I choose my husband, Sammy. I choose to love them regardless. Now we're talking about this from a perspective of relatively healthy relationships. Uh, our spouse, we love each other. You know, I, I threw out that silly word. I Divorce, that word bothers me so much. I've seen the destruction it's done. My brother went through a very ugly divorce years ago. It was just devastating to watch that. Um, I, I, that's not my reality, but perhaps it's been yours. And you're like, okay, well, my situation isn't like, uh, hey, I'm in a positive way trying to bring up a record of wrongs here. Like, it's brutal. Mm. And they are not reciprocating trying to make it better. And so that clearly, we're talking about a different set of circumstances. For your own safety, you need to bring and report records of wrongs, right? If it's an abuse situation. Yeah, yeah, of course. If someone is taking advantage, if there's continuous uh, betrayal, committing adultery, those types of things, those need to be, that's not overlooking an offense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Certainly, and and this is something that actually has to be taken to task. And yeah, I think sometimes we do go through this almost Christianized guilt we have in our brain, well, you know what? He probably didn't mean it. And the, I don't know. We don't want to brush those things aside if they need to be met head on. Yeah, but, very true. Um, uh, hopefully the Lord, the Holy Spirit will give you discernment. You know, when you face those those trials in life, scripture tells us that God in his infinite wisdom will give you wisdom. Give the people who need it wisdom. Um, to know how to traverse and say, all right, what do I do? What is the next step? Because we may be talking about something even more into like, okay, I need to talk to a a counselor Mm -hmm. type person because we are not having civilized conversation anymore. We're not conversing. We are out to get, we're at each other's throats. Sure. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, You talked about God giving you wisdom and our pastor, you know, with talking about confession, repentance, in, in this this whole podcast has about, been about conversation, communication, confession. Uh, we were talking about more so God earlier, and he made a good point. He said, "I'm going to say something that will make a lot of uh, people uncomfortable in this room. God 
speaks to you, uh, God can speak to us outside of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And you may listen and say, duh, but for people like our church, that it's very scripture's authority, right? I mean, it is, that's how God has revealed himself. So if it doesn't align with scripture, it can be pretty scary and you may have you may have countless examples too, where people have said God told me to do this, and no, He didn't. No, He's not. Like yeah. people use that phrase all the time. That's why it gets really cloudy and really scary. But He made such a good point. He said, "I, I believe God you know, speaks to you through whether that be conviction or you know a, like a like a feeling, a discernment, or whatever, uh, a song, right?" Um, but it's important to know what His voice sounds like. Yes. And He made the comparison about when He first started dating His wife. He would have to say, because they called before caller ID, you know, his, mm-hmm. he's like, it was a wild, wild west of making phone calls before caller ID. <laughs> I don't know who this is going to be. Let's find out. <laughs> and she would answer and he'd say, hello, it's Steve, you know, and then and, and she would say her name if she was calling him. Yeah. And after a while, that's not necessary. Yeah. Even without caller ID, right? I know your voice. Hey, it's me. I know your voice. And when we get more into scripture and we see the type of things that God will and won't say, or I should say, will say, will be for and will be against, then when we have that conviction, quote, outside of the Bible, mm-hmm. we know that aligns because we know his voice. Yeah. And so when you talk about the wisdom that he will give, yeah. And that's why it's important to know the type of wisdom that he's given before. Yes. Does that align? Is it in the same category? Is it something that I can apply to a specific part of my life? And the enemy, make no doubt, is so sneaky. Yeah. So you think that you might be hearing God's voice because you, you're you latching onto bits of truth. Sure. Bits of wisdom. We were even talking about something we, we read in a, a well-meaning note about you are worthy. And I'm like, well, let's explore that. Am I worthy or is God alone worthy, but through his spirit and through what he did on the cross and through his act of redemption, I'm now worthy. It's a true statement, but how do people mean it, right? How does, yes. And so a lot of the time you'll hear Habsi's statements and there's bits of truth there and the enemy will take that sometimes and he'll weave it into his own purpose. And so making sure that you're getting sound advice and aligning it with scripture, if there's somebody in your life that you know, you got a gut feeling, this is a good person that I can go to. I mean, that's, that's hopefully it's somebody at your church as well, a leader in your church, someone who's well-respected. Uh, if you don't know passages of scripture well enough to, to kind of like go, I don't know, I feel lost. How do I, how sure. do I know if it aligns with scripture? Yeah. But to be able to go to that person and say, this is the advice I have been given. What do you think? And then certainly, hopefully that person will be kind enough to point you to scripture that you can talk it over with the Lord, pray about it. Sure. Uh, anyway, it's there's so much going on here in this conversation. Well, can I, before we end, can I ask you a question? It depends on if it's going to lead to a spat. <clears throat> I feel... That there's something that you've been doing. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) You said that you did premarital counseling with your husband. I did. I know that your dad's a pastor and you mentioned him in that same sentence. Yes. This is something maybe I've just now discovered. Did you two do premarital counseling with him? No. Okay. I was like, why have I never heard this story from you or your husband that his future father-in-law was the one giving advice? We went and did. We had like... um, 
like this little mini seminar with my dad where he gave this great advice. There were other people there okay. who were in a couple's situation about how to kind of proceed with if you're getting into an argument. So that lent yeah. to the premarital part of our But it wasn't just world. him as your counselor no, for as your pastor. Very good friend, Pastor Larry. Okay. All right. He ca- oh my word, I can't even fathom. <laughs> the chapter in the book and the wedding night. And your dad's like, I'm out. I'm not gonna have this conversation. Oh, weirdly um, enough, yeah. I this will not surprise you. You've met my father. That would not scare him in the least. <laughs> I'd be scared as the future son-in-law. <laughs> Especially if you pulled out a shotgun or something. All right, we'll see you next week. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast.